Good morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another, another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morning, my as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? guys? Hopefully, we discuss Arsenal at the Emirates, and hopefully, it can turn out positive after a tough game against um, Burnley after coming off a disappointing result against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, by the time of kickoff, um, Arsenal were already in uh, seventh position. Uh, you know, taking on dead loss Burnley. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I know we discussed it last week in the, uh, you know, the preview of this game. I was really thinking, okay, look, you're going to be already, was like walking wounded. So, I, I was not expecting, you know, something big, you know, get the crowd really, you know, go, going in that. But, I mean, it didn't really, from the get-go, it didn't look like that. Because, I mean, the first big chance actually falls to Burnley in the seventh minute when Ramsdale ends up uh, forced to tip a, a McNeil effort over. And I mean, another thing that was also worrying when you looked at the squad, when you saw the bench, which included, I think, seven or eight of the under-23s, and almost like just a handful, like a sprinkling of, of senior players, it was kind of telling you the sort of dilemma we were in. No, it definitely did. You looked at that Arsenal side, and, and I had the same... I had the same worry that I had when I played against Liverpool. It's like, if that starting eleven doesn't get you the result on the field, there's no way of, like, you know, any way of, of, of the result being turned around because there's no plan B from the bench. There's no X factor. And, you know, against Liverpool, you were taking off, like I said, for Nketiah and hoping he was going to make something different. So, like you said, very worrying times for Arsenal, especially against the Burnley side who, you know are kind of clinging on for dear life to stay in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, ninth minute, uh, me ends up half holding a ball wide, and I mean, Arsenal look all over the place, even from uh, defending set pieces, even though, I mean, look, we've got quite a good record at the moment with, uh, you know, defending corners, and even the, the attacking side of, of things, we're also quite good at. But I mean, for me, it looked, you know, everything was like just pure chaos at the back at times. And what was also strange to see, uh, you know, you don't normally see this also, but Ramza looks really flustered at the moment. Um, you know, compared to that, almost like the confidence he had the, that first part of the season. Um, then 17th minute, finally Arsenal get a shot. Lacazette, you know, manages to worm him his way through. But I mean, the shot the shot was way too tame for my liking. And it's almost like there's certain factors of his game that even though, yes, he's trying to, you know, work hard in that, that in midfield and that or in a camp position. But I mean, the way we need him at the moment, it's not like he's not there when we need him. Like, you know, no, it, it depends yeah. on it's like, it's like his, his overall game is, you know, it's decent and that, but I think we need yeah. more from him now because because we have so much creative talent or, or this, this guy's making the chances of, you know, we, we need him closer to the box now or closer to yeah. be in and around the box. But And, and slowly but surely, you know, I'm not saying he's, He's not a good player. I'm not saying anything like that, but I'm saying is I think we need something different to him. I need to, we need something more. Some guy that's going to take, like you said, 15 to 20 goals in the season. And I mean, you know, the fact that Emil Smith was a top scorer says a lot at the moment. Yeah. Then, like 24th minute, the stat ends up, you know, popping up with like with a game where it, it stayed something like Arsenal and I had 90 uh, up to then, sorry, 79 percent position. And doing, you know, nothing really with the ball. Um, then 34th minute, Rob Holding, I mean, it's over from an Arsenal corner. And, I mean, this is another factor I want to bring up. 
I mean, in, all, like in my years of watching his career now at Arsenal, it seems his GPS is so far off with, you know, heading, you know, to make it threatening heading like either goals or assists because I just find it frustrating because, I mean, then why bother go up? Because every time he goes up yeah. the field and you watch, because I was just telling one of my kids when we were watching the match, just watch him. Like, I mean, this is something that I've even watched or learned from, from uh, you know, watching Alan Shearer back in the day where he always says, like, you know, where your eyes will go, the ball will go. Like, you know, when you yeah. attack the ball. And I mean, Rob Holdings, he is looking at the sky at times when he's attacking the ball. as looking at the top tier of the, of the stadium that he's playing in. So, I mean, it's not, <laughs> then why, you know, why bother? Because that's what I said. Because, I mean, some of the corners are damn good that's coming in. Even that, that when they have somebody stuck at the near post and they do their little flick-ons and that, it really causes a lot of chaos. And I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you need somebody more, you know, cut through more, you know, like a real attacking city that's going to really bomb himself into to get that ball. But, you know, back to the match, just before halftime, um, this also goes like with a certain aspect of certain players in the team. When Saka gets the ball, and I mean, you expect him to eat one of those benders, like top corner, and he ends up almost like he does the hard work of, you know, getting past the the, the, the defender that he's, that's marking him. But I mean, by the time he, he takes the shot, it's almost like it seems, number one, too rushed. And number two, it's almost like somebody that's really tired, like, in, like mentally drained, I should say. Yeah, I think not just for, like, like with Saka, for example, I think he's, he's, a, he's a very good player, but that there's a bit, just a little bit that's lacking to his game. I mean, even when we go to Martinelli, you know, they said, they could like Martinelli is a very yeah. I think he's a better finisher than than, than Saka, but sometimes Martinelli holds on the ball a bit too long and lands in the blind alley. But they just don't have that little bit of finesse. I think obviously yeah. it maybe might come with age, you know, where you know where they can bend one in and you know like like Saka can do what uh, Robin does from time to time. But you know, it's like when when the two of them aren't firing. Saka and Martinelli and maybe it's with you know, like uh, hopping back onto to like I said. Yeah. You know, it's the problem with me is that he's 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 working. Like said he's working very hard, but I just don't think he has the legs anymore to drop yeah. deep and draw central defenders to him after dropping deep and rushing forward. So you know, he's kind of an easy guy to mark unless he can turn you. So, uh, like I said, very frustrating first half. Yeah. So I mean, like for me, before we uh, you know go into the second half. I mean, I was like, you know, kind of analyzing, like, with my point of view, the match uh, of what I saw in the, in the, the first half. And I think for me, like, the, the, the pointers I've been making was, I mean, when when Rams, sorry, when Rob Holding comes into the team, it kind of puts it all defense. Like, there's not a, a first point on the make. When he comes into the team, it's, it kind of puts it all defense in disarray. Number one, number two, it, it also you know causes sort of chaos, that confidence, and that you see when. Ben White and Gabriel are playing in the heart of the defense, seems gone. And I mean, there's no that, that also when the ball gets played to him short, he seems to get his, his, himself into sort of in a muddle, like, you know, the ball or stuck because he's not really that comfortable with passing the ball out of defense. So uh, it also adds that because I don't know how many hospital passes I saw from him as what was, that was close to getting people injured as well when he, he keeps on either under eating the ball or he fires the ball so hard at somebody with you know, ends up bobbling away from the player. Then number two was, the point I want to make was, with Lokonga taking up the Xhaka party role, it was only like you kind of appreciate what that other two bring to the team. Yeah. 
because look, bother the, the you know the sort of meltdowns that Jack has. You can't actually see how someone like him or Thomas Party actually guides the team through you know going from defense through midfield and that. And I mean, for me, it's like it doesn't really work so far with Lukonga taking up the role there because. Yes, he does show glimpses of that, that, you know, the passing array that he is. But, I mean, he doesn't have that sort of attacking drive that we want. He doesn't, like, release the ball fast enough. And, I mean, I don't know if you picked up on it or the listeners picked up on it was every time they were almost, like, overlooking him at times when they were getting the ball. So they weren't passing the ball through him because all like, they knew, okay, this guy's not going to really do much of the ball, so they'd rather go, like, you know, take the ball by, by themselves and then end up getting in a 2v1 situation where we lose out on the ball. But... It just shows you that side of him, he doesn't have that sort of confidence yet. Because every time I was watching him, it's like he's playing that safe passes yeah. forward. It's uh, not forward, really, but to the side and then to the back. And then you have that, what we call that, you know, the whole horseshoe formation where the ball just gets played around the back. But there's no drive or no impact going forward. Excellent points on, the, on, on like, you know, that you brought up, especially the Lekonga point, you know, where. I've, I've actually seemed to be watching his game, especially this Burnley game. And every time he gets the ball, he plays like a two-yard pass, a two-yard pass, a two-yard pass. You know, left, right, left, right. Yeah, yeah. So he looks back. And the other thing with Rob Holding, you know, he kind of stifles our tetris play because he's not good with the ball at his feet. He's not a good passer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, like you said, there's a bit of a gap there. And then also, you know, Ben White, did well in the right back. But I mean, he's not going to give you that same attacking <laughs> impetus as a as a right back, you know. So that kind of blocks an avenue where Tommy Yasu would have bombed down the line, and that comes down, you know, probably we'll get into more into the talk point, but that comes down to recruitment, you know. Yeah. But okay. like I said, I'll touch on that in the talking points. We can go into the second half. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I've still got the one final point that I want to make with that uh, other things now. Um, like also up front, you take Lacazette. I mean, he seems everywhere but up front. And I mean, yeah. when you see, you know, he's like, and when he does get replaced, you've got Eden Ketia. And I mean, you, what does he offer really in, in a, like a tough match against tall central defenders? Uh, nothing really. Because that's why I thought it was really crazy the way the club even contemplated, uh, you know, offering him a, a contract extension. Because I just feel for myself, like, he, like, you know, trying to not, not to kind of disrespect the guy, but. He's like, uh, say, a club like Arsenal are not really that level that we should be having a forward at. Like, I mean, I don't, uh, he'd probably do all right at, uh, say, a Fulham or, you know, West Brom, whatever, where he's almost like coming around, like maybe as a couple of old school guys that almost like also guiding the way through. But I just think Arsenal at the stage now where you've got a young squad and I think you're going to mold it like that with that sort of uh, potential where you can. You know, they can not only hit the ground running, but they can actually walk into any of the, say, top three or top four teams. So I just think to myself, I, I, our mindset with getting forwards also needs to change drastically because I don't think that's the sort of forward we should be, you know, like focusing on. Because I think even, say, someone like Balogun, he can be molded into somebody, you know, that, that that's, that's... I just hope the Middlesbrough uh, loan deal does, does him well. Because, I mean, I, would, I honestly wouldn't mind having somebody like him uh, in the Arsenal Premier League side, because I just like from what I saw in the under 23s and that when he, because it's not like the, the Premier League at the moment is too far, like far ahead for him, and he's almost like too good for the under 23s at the moment. That's why I think that that whole move now took place now to Middlesbrough, where he can actually now come up against 
with like grown men and that, but I'm also at a sort of league level where you should be able to, you know, cope. Yeah, I know, 100%. I mean, you mentioned get in get there. I mean, five goals in 43 Premier League appearances and you expect him to come on and win you a game, you know? It just shows yeah. what, what the club is missing. Yeah, so yeah, we switch back to the match now. Um, 53rd minute, uh, you know, Burnley just keep coming at Arsenal. And I mean, I was really shocked because normally you see teams that have been playing against Burnley, especially in this rut that they've been in, uh, you know, really like force the issue on them. We almost like they kind of buckle and that, but it's almost like we they only uh, maybe they sense the sort of state that we're in at the moment, like as a like not only club but also a physical state. Because they, I mean, they were going really toe to toe with us, and I mean, it seems like we could almost like hold them at bay for certain points, but at times they were almost like running themselves free. And I'm thinking, where's this Burnley been all along? Yeah, no. It's, it's, they decided to turn up on, on on the one time and Arsenal come against them. I've seen it so many times before. Yeah, then 61st minute, Odegaard ends up beating a free kick, which just brushes the top of the net. I mean, it, it was, I mean, I think he had everything right, but for the little bearings, the you know, intricate bearings of, of getting the shot, you know, on target. But I mean, we missed that chance. Then from that, from the corner a few minutes later, then uh, a clever corner by Arsenal, this time, I think Odegaard ends up hitting that, you know, like an old school, rolling the ball across the box. And I mean, unmarked Smith Rowe ends up coming in and he just smashes the ball at goal on target. But I mean, Nick Pope makes a fantastic save. Yeah, I know. Nick, I think on a, like Nick Pope, it just seemed like in another world at the moment as well because he was just making really good saves consistently. Yeah. I mean, I just think to myself, he... He almost like needs a, a, a team that's like say top six to be a number one there because I just I don't think I wouldn't say now Arsenal because you've got now somebody that's now like Ramsdale that's probably heading up to his prime and Pope is somebody that's already in his prime so I, I mean I, but I still think he'll be a fantastic keeper wherever he goes but I just think to see the more like the best of him he probably needs also a way better defense in front of him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a bit unfortunate. I think this Burnley side. I think you know they're. I don't say they ran their race. I think they ran their race when, like, I mean, the teams that are coming up now are actually, like, you know, getting better and better footballing yeah. sides. Yeah. Then, uh, 68th minute, Smith Rowe does a lung busting run down the touchline. Um, he ends up queuing up. I mean, it was actually a perfect setup, and he ends up rolling the ball to Lacazette. And then the Frenchman fires woefully wide, and it probably was the big chance of the match, if you think of it. Yeah, no, at. Uh, you see, he's been having good chances where he should have been putting the ball away, but it just seems like he just can't find the net. And, you know, on the one hand, you say, you know, your players should be scoring around you, but your players have been scoring around you. So, yeah. you know, as a striker, you need to be the one when your players are striking to score. You need to be the one that's banging in the goals. You know, there was actually a shocking stat that they, they popped up. I don't know if it was... At the, just before the start of the second half or during the second half, but there was a stat that showed um, they showed the player positions when out, when, yeah, when we're not having the ball at their feet. And Lacazette, for I think for most parts, was playing within our half. And yet, when they were showing the flip side of Burnley, uh, they I think Vidra was the one guy, I forgot the other guy's name, they were actually playing constantly. In the like, you know, in the opposing half, they were never dropping deeper than the halfway line, and yet 
our attacking players are all sitting in our own half. And I mean, that right there, that set alone is already a sort of factor that needs to be drastically changed. Because no way should, you know, somebody like Lucas sit in advance role be sitting almost like in our half. Because by the time the ball gets, say, Ramsdale collects a corner or whatever, when he's looking for an outlet, I mean, if he's not going to, just say Martinelli is not, got the energy to burst on. He's got no other option down the middle and he's got no option down the right. Yeah, and you want to wonder, is the Lacazette thing or is it the Otete thing that's happening? Yeah, is it Lacazette that, that's gravitating towards the ball or is it Otete who wants his strikers to play so deep on the opposition? It, of... And that's, I honestly think also that that part you mentioned now about gravitating to the ball because at times you even see Lacazette playing outside left and then he's playing left central midfield and then I'm thinking <laughs> you are supposed to be in advance role to give us at least that sort of outlet when the ball does come through and I mean Martinelli more often than not does get through Saka on a good day will find his way through and I mean if they get their head up and there's nobody in the box yeah I know and even we sometimes just put balls aimlessly in the box and nothing happens and you gotta wonder to yourself yeah. you know we need like I've been watching our last two games and you know, the Nottingham Forest game, not so much, but the, like I said, Liverpool and and Burnley, I was, I've been literally saying, we need a striker. We yeah. need a top-class or an up-and-coming striker that's going to take us to new heights because right now it seems like we're stagnant. Now then, 77 minute Arsenal ended up making a sub. I mean, I found it was already number one too late because uh, I just think to myself, I mean, you've got a team that's already fatigued I mean, look, for me, it also comes down to a bit of risk where you must throw the dice also with some of these youngsters. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's like, oh, like it's so predictable where, yes, Smith Rowe comes off. Okay, it's understandable. But now Nketiah comes on again and then Nketiah ends up playing as a left winger, I believe. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, it's just totally nuts at times how the, the, the especially now when we, you know, pressing for a goal. Now you use somebody like that that's not really going to, you know, outmuscle or cause all sorts of problems to the uh, defence of Premier League quality. Yeah, I know. It's very comfortable to defend against Edin Ketia. You know, I'm sure you and I, in our, in our prime, would have been able to, you know, as well, comfortably just defend against Ketia because he's not, doesn't have blistering pace. Yeah. He's not strong. So, he's not good in the air. So, you know, it's a very easy player to play against. Yeah. Then, in the 90th minute, uh, McNeil ends up forcing Ramsdale into a save as Arsenal. I mean, lost total concentration because all of a sudden you could actually see these big gaping holes whenever Burnley were trying that at forced counter-attacks. I mean, Ramsdale ends up just getting, I think, minimal contact. I think the goal, the ref ends up giving a goal kick, but I think Ramsdale does get, like, you know, just a barely a fingertip to the wall. To yeah, it. I know. That was a save. Huh? That was definitely yeah. a save. So, you know... You take, you know, they actually really pressed us towards the end. And uh, this is really disappointing to see that we never gave them enough headaches. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I mean, shockingly for me, also a bad home performance. I expected way more. And I mean, especially in our stage at the moment, where, you know, nothing is really a given for, for top four, even top six. But I mean, okay, we managed with that game, and, and I think with Spurs' loss to Chelsea, we end up, you know, edging up to sixth again. But still, with a game in hand on some teams, and also two games in on even on other teams. So um, I'm gonna blend it now into that, you know, a slash uh, talking points and this whole winter break story. 
so the team are heading to Dubai on, I believe, tomorrow. I think some of the others have left already. The, you know, the ones that have been like really squad players like uh, Leno and them. So they've already, I think, left. I think a few days. I think after the Burnley game, some of them already left. So they, you know, they can recoup as like uh, with, with their partners and whatever. Uh, then with, with regards to now the, the talking point factor of things, I mean, things are still very quiet on the transfer front. I mean, especially now seeing Vlaovic joining Juventus. I mean, I think that was also a ploy all along. I mean, I, I, I do feel a bit you know, disappointed because especially when you see what he could have offered, but I think it was yeah. more the player being also, you know, kind of brainwashed by his agent and the agent being just, you know, total arsehole and greedy. So I think that was another thing that was jeopardizing this whole deal or potential deal from the get-go. Uh, also, no real movement on the Arthur deal from, from Juventus where, I mean, we are really lacking in midfield and, I mean, even up front now. So what was your take on that, that you know, with the transfer front so far? No, I, I think it's 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 very slow. I think that Vlaovic, Arsenal should have known at some point, you know, let's just back away from this. Yeah. This guy doesn't want to come. Let's go for, you know, plan B or, or whatever, you know, plan yeah. A 1.1 or whatever they want to call it because, I mean, obviously no striker wants to be a plan B, but you and I both knew we needed a striker and we needed yeah. a sentiment. We've gone and done nothing. And if this window closes... And we don't have somebody that can at least add, you know, maybe 10 to 15 goals from now till the end of the season. I think we could be in big trouble. And yeah. also, we don't have that sentiment. Xhaka and Party, you know, have been picking up bookings quite regularly. Red cards, you know, it happens sometimes. I know discipline needs to be worked on. But if Xhaka and Party got injured for 10 games, is Xhaka and Lakonga or Party and Lakonga able to cope? the rest of the season. Yeah. I'm sure we needed a sentiment. I definitely feel that, but we haven't gone and done it yet. We have, what, five days left? So, yeah. Yeah, so the next point I want to bring up was uh, Ateta, I think the other, a couple of days ago, you already jetted over to the US to meet with San Kroenke, and I think what, the, what two factors were going to be brought up was um, the improved two-year deal plan for the Arteta contract. I mean, I, I think Arsenal must also be very cautious with it because I still think to myself, he, he's already had now like about 100, close to 150 million last summer to get the sort of players that could get us European football. And I think we should rather, you know, hold back with any, say, contract talks with him until we see others. You know, all season pans out. And I think the other point is the reason is also there was, you know, possibly also, uh, you know, asking for funds for this January window and as well as the upcoming summer, because I'm sure he, before the whole plan of, of a contract extension comes forth, it's probably going to come also down to what the plans are for Arteta and, uh, you know, the, the likes of the, you know, backroom staff of what sort of targets and, you know, what. Because I think we also have to set, uh, you know, uh, targets with regards to, to trophies also. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, we must go win the Premier League or and, and, and you must bring players for that. But, you know, to almost like make us a bit more competitive in the league, to make us go that bit further in the domestic cups. And even now, go on a sort of, like, get into Europe, number one, and then also see that we go on a sort of run that also raises funds. Because I think the club does need also funds in that aspect of things. 
No, 100%. I do think we need to kind of set objectives. And I think, you know, a top, you know, hopefully European football, I mean, top four is obviously priority, but I mean, getting into the Europa League will be great again. And then kind of just, you know, like you said, being more competitive. I'm not saying win the league, but, you know, push the title race at least till, you know, April yeah. or, or, or round about there and just be involved in it for a bit instead of just, you know, all the time being also rams. Yeah. Then the next point was um, with Edu and Richard Garlic. Richard Garlic is a guy that's always in charge of setting up contracts for players. Because I mean, the two of them have decided to stay in London while the team is in Dubai. And I mean, most or many fans are now also hoping that Garlic and Edu, uh, you know, do get some business over the line in that this period uh, while that the rest of the squad is in in, in uh, Dubai. Uh, you know, because I mean, as you said, now with under a week to go. You know, we need some sort of, you know, action going there. Because, I mean, I think the, the, the spotlight is really going like, to fall on them. If you don't bring in players and you're going to expect somebody like Nketiah and Lacazette to kind of fire us up into the top four or top six. And also, that sort of whole dilemma that we have with Aubameyang, because are Aubameyang and, Lacka, uh, Aubameyang and uh, Arteta going to call a true summer? Or how long is this? standoff uh, still going to go on because for me as a gooner I mean for me as now you feel or the listeners feel but for me it's almost like a, a, a distraction you really don't need right now yeah no I, I think you know I think they both prefer to be professionals maybe just yeah. if, if Arsenal don't get the strikers see each other out till the end of the, the season you know maybe Alba can fire us into some sort of thing or you decide let's just get rid of him because you know we can't have players doing this and coach, like, you know, the fighting in place, we had to play together and we need to get that top four or top five or even six spot. Yeah. Then the next point was, like, look, the squad now flies back from Dubai on the 5th of February. Then the training starts, like, domestically for the February 10th fixture away to Wolves. And now, I think yesterday or, or two ago, there's also talk of playing the game that we missed on the 28th of December that we had to play Wolves at the Emirates. That might be played now some days later after playing Wolves away. So it's only going to come off as a two-legged Premier League tie. Uh, so yeah, there's no talk of that. Was, I think there's a certain game that Chelsea are going to be at the World Club Championship. So I think they want to actually force, or not force, but squeeze that game in that weekend because we were supposed to play uh, Chelsea and on that weekend that they, you know, they do it to Asia for that tournament. So, I mean, that's just a point I'm going to bring up. And then also the last few points, uh, behind the scenes also are recently, you know, I think uh, us, like Arsenal as a team really took off the gas, like in the like the admin side of things. Because when, for me, I really thought when, when we went into that end of the year, we were really sitting in fourth and I thought to myself, Look, you guys got your own destiny in your hands. I'm talking about with regards to Edu and Garlic and them. I just thought to myself, now's the time to really have my own advantage. The minute that window yeah. opens, you already have your, your team and your strategy, uh, you know, planned out. But I mean, this is something that also I wanted to bring up was sometimes, you know, you get, you listen to podcasters or pundits and they always say, yeah, but this is not FIFA or this is not football manager. You can't just do this and that. My point to them is, I mean, whoever listens as well, you know, across board, at big clubs, if you want a player bad enough, you go all out and get them. There's yeah. no 
uh, it's a FIFA, it's a football manager thing. No, it's got nothing to do with that. If, you was, if you've got a real strong board or and, and, and characters on that board, if they want something, they're going to go all out and they will get that person, you know, by hook or by crook, or make it a deal sweeter or whatever, or go over the sort of uh, numbers that you normally would crunch out. But you're going to go and you get that player because it infuriates me sometimes when, I, when you hear people go, oh, yeah, like, you know, when they try to uh, almost like say, uh, yeah, like, uh, football clubs aren't just run like it. For, at, modern day football does run like that. I mean, whether you like it or don't like it or want to hear it or don't want to hear it, but football clubs are run like that. And you can see how they also do their business. And, and you also see how the sort of scare tactics that you have, football players also kind of push on to clubs. Look at the, with Mbappe. Last, I think, what was it, last November or October, there was a list, I don't know if you picked up on it, but there was a list of all the players that were running the contracts down. And then it's almost like, you, you see, it's almost like a, like a a game of chicken to see who flinches first. And I mean, uh, PSG actually did flinch, and I think they end up now offering him a contract and that. Uh, I think the, another one was, was Pedri at Barcelona, where... He was also going to be probably a free agent, and I, I can guarantee you there were people also rubbing their hands, thinking, okay, we're going to gun for them as the January uh, window opens. But I mean, there you can see uh, it's a give or take thing, but I just think to myself, from an Arsenal perspective, we could have done and shown up, uh, shown ourselves in a way better light by always like acting fast and doing business fast. No, I think we did drag our feet, and you know, now we could see the wrath of it coming. Yeah. Then, I mean, because uh, the, the, the point I think is what I also touched on, because, I mean, you, you, you can't go from a team that, that spent, like, you know, the most in the transfer window to a team now in January 2022, where, you know, uh, even with top four in the reach, you're kind of stalling and, and, and trying to do this, that. I mean, for me, isn't a payoff really if you're going to get to Europe, the sort of money you can, uh, you know, we can afford a big squad? But I mean, if you're going to keep on penny-pinching and that, then you're not going to get anywhere. Because, I mean, for my take, it's, I'm not just saying, you know, go go uh, give the coach or give Edu a, uh, you know, a blank check. But my point is just, you're either going to go that route or you blood in way more youngsters way quicker. And I think Arteta doesn't have that confidence yet in some of the youngsters. That's why you see, especially with the Burnley game, where he just makes one sub and he keeps the rest of that youngsters you know, just kicking the heels on the bench, which I thought, I mean, I, I, if you want to really give them experience, give them like a 10 or 15 minute run out. I mean, you never know how it plays out. Yeah, no, 100%. I think Arteta, you know, he's caught between not trusting his bench and not having the funds to, yeah. the fund, but not making the signing. So, yeah, you know, let's see, we can, let's hope we can lift, lift our performances in the, in the, you know, would say after the winter break and come back stronger. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I think that's all about I have now for this uh, week's edition of the podcast. I don't know if you have any other pointers before now. Yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Okay, guys, then take care. Enjoy this break. I think it's probably only FCON games, and I think some teams are doing, like, having the, the uh, almost like winter break fixtures being played on TV. So enjoy that if you can find the games. Take care, guys. Bye. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.